We're live. Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with actor and Instagram model Lane Palmer. How are you doing today, Sexy? I'm doing great. I tried to go grocery shopping earlier, and that was a huge mistake because it's Super Bowl Sunday, and people are crazy. So don't go grocery shopping if you're going to go out. <laughs> the suit, yeah, no, Super Bowl Sunday. Everyone's making such a big deal about it. I'm like, because here's the thing. The one thing that is, like, redeemable for gay people is halftime. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm like, so you chose Usher? It's like, I swear with the NFL, it's like, every year they have, like, one good act. And then, like, mm -hmm. the next year they have to just put in somebody who's, like, off kilter. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Usher? They literally have Taylor Swift right there. I'm like, can she just go down the stairs and just perform? Like... <laughs> well, this is this is the thing. As a as a gay person, what I would have done is like have the like because I I love gay I love trashy music sometimes. So it's like mm -hmm. I I love I love 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 talented people, but sometimes yeah. like some people. So I'm like, why don't they just do like three like talented or no talented artists? You get like Ashley Tisdale, you get like um, Paris Hilton. Mm. And you get Heidi Montag to all be on the same stage. And it's like, that would have been better than Usher. Like, That's over. It would be over if they did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I am not. I'll watch Usher tomorrow. This... Yeah. As I said, there have been very few. I didn't like Bruno Mars. I'll admit that. I just yeah. Like yeah. Mars. He let me down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Maroon 5 was a letdown. A lot of people think this is a letdown. I would say, I kind of, granted, their vocals weren't the best. I kind of liked Black Eyed Peas. Like, yeah. I know a lot of people like shit talk them. I actually thought that was kind of good. Yeah, you need like spectacle. That's the, that's the whole point of halftime show. It's not just somebody standing there singing. Like, you need to, there needs to be something that you can watch. And yeah, they definitely brought a lot of spectacle to it, which was nice. Yes. Work. So anyway, so where are you originally from? So I am originally from Ohio, um, a small town called Springfield. And then I moved to Columbus right after I graduated from college. Um, yeah, and Ohio born and raised. Uh, luckily, I escaped this past year. So <laughs> I'm, believe me, I'm looking to do that. Like, my thing is I'm born and raised Floridian. I... I'm originally from like South Florida, about like an hour north of West Palm Beach. And then I lived in Orlando for four years. I had to come back. And then like now, as I say, I'm like, I am so done with Florida. Like I'm planning on moving to Detroit. So like good. Yeah. It's just like I'm a musician, man. Like I've got I've got as as I've said in every interview, I've got an album to put out. Mm -hmm. Like it literally by the time I actually moved to Detroit, as I said, I have an album out. I'm gonna have the next album to like put out. No money to do. Well, yeah, man. I th I think there's something to say about like not only even just getting out of your hometown, but if you have the yeah. ability to like getting out of your home state because it challenges you and pushes you in ways that you never would have thought before because you basically, you have to start over, right? You come, like you said, with all of these gifts and abilities and now yeah. you have to like 
find new find a new friend group, find a new outlet in order to produce and get things done that you want to do. So I I think it's a really great thing to do, honestly. Yeah, and it's just it's always like granted as i've always said south florida is a great place to come and visit like maybe stay here for like a weekend maybe a week and most but like in terms of like living here i don't think it's a great place to live yeah yeah and you got you gotta you gotta find a place yeah. that feels like home you know you gotta be excited to come home relax at home do all that good stuff yeah and it's like something about like florida being part of the south as I was explaining this to my best friend and he looked at me, he's like, cause I said, like, I always feel like I was born in the wrong place, but he's like, mm -hmm. but you can't control where you're born. I'm like, that doesn't mean that I can't believe that I was born in the wrong place. Like, yeah. I mean, shit, I was the person who in high school, of course you realize once you get a little bit older, that sometimes it's unrealistic. My plan was, I'm like, I want to move to New York city. Mm hmm unaffordable <laughs> right <laughs> it's just like i was planning on moving to atlanta before i decided on detroit atlanta was affordable at one point not anymore <laughs> yeah it's it's really sad how as artists like the a, a lot of where the opportunity is is not conducive to somebody who is making their own way Right. Like that was one of the things that I really struggled with as an actor, because I knew starting out, I, I wanted to be able to work during the day to be able to survive, pay my bills. And then I would do my craft, you know, at night and on the weekends. Eventually, I'd love to do it full time. But I knew, especially coming right out of college, I needed to build up my repertoire. And you can't I you can't really do that in places like New York City or Los Angeles right off the bat. Like you have to kind of build up your stardom, as it were, in like kind of like a smaller, bigger city, and then go to those places. Yes. Um, LA. <laughs> well, okay. I've I've expressed my opinion about on here about LA. My thing is LA is a great idea in theory. Yeah. It is a horrible idea in execution, but it's a great idea in theory because it's like mm -hmm. It's like a place where you can go to become a star, but it's like you also have 8,000 people not telling you what they actually think of what you're doing. Yeah. And that's why I thought about moving to LA at one point. I'm like, no. I'm an East Coast bitch. I will literally be in LA three days and I'll never be invited to another party again to like get a chance to network because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and be like, Oh my god, babe, you're amazing when you can't sing a fucking note. Like, no, I'm gonna say, like, who the fuck told you that you could do this? Like <laughs> I love that. This is why we get along. <laughs> yes. It's called authentic. Like, yeah. And here's the thing, even when you have talent, people tell you sometimes that you suck. It's like But it's like if you're really, really bad. Here's my mm -hmm. response for gay people. Somebody will always need their dick sucked in the bathroom. So, like, if all else fails. Well, and that's the thing, too. I think, you know, I, I don't like this perception of, like, artists being good or being bad. It's like everybody has their audience. Everybody has their niche. 
And I think one of the things that I really struggled with starting off as, as an artist is trying to form myself into the perfect actor, right? Like, okay, this is what's going to get me roles. I'm going to say yes to everything. I'm going to do everything. And what really separates you from everybody else is your own individuality, is what yeah. you say no to, right? Yeah. And so that's why it's super important that you maintain that sense of self because that's what's going to draw people to you. It's not trying to fit that cookie cutter, you know, whatever it is people think that they want from you. That is, I mean, you do have that point. Like, when you think about musicians, I think about, like, you have your traditional, like, Mariah Carey's, but then you have, like, your Bjorks, who are more, like, not necessarily, like, she's not known for like having the most amazing voice, which her like style is so like eclectic that like it's actually, she can sing. It's just, she doesn't sing in like that traditional like diva way. And that's also mm -hmm. like, okay. As you're saying, like not being the traditional actor, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, let me put, you you probably like the way that you look. You probably get cast a lot of times, or you feel that you should have been cast as like boy next door, but you don't always want to play those roles. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, think about just like even going to like somebody, you know, we were talking about like musicians earlier, like yeah. Lady Gaga, who's performed at the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, like how scrutinized she was when she first came out, right? Like yes. she had a very distinct style. And I think it was really like our generation who embraced her, you know, growing up in like high Absolutely. school, middle school, because I feel like a lot of adults were kind of just pushing her aside and saying, what is this weirdo doing? You know what I mean? And we're like, no, like we get it. We, we want this, right? Like we totally understand what she's doing. Yes. I love that. Gaga's my favorite musician, like mm -hmm. literally of all time. Yeah. So yes, I, I totally, I totally get Gaga. It's like, everyone's like always the thing is to always compare people that's the one thing that I like about queer people it's like even when i come out you can argue that some of my aesthetics are similar to adora delano but like mm -hmm. we're both we're both different but it's like yeah you always at least and this is gaga in me as well it's like having that like rock edge to things because it's like that's what i'd argue gaga was it's like yeah she made these like traditional cookie cutter songs and you have some of those but like on this out when i describe like my sound i call it electro pop rock and b because it's literally like there's a little bit of electronic a little bit of rock a little bit of pop a little bit of r&b it all just depends on like how i was feeling when i was writing that song and when i was like hearing a beat that I made and it's like sometimes I wanted to be like more like in your face with like a rock edge and then sometimes I just wanted to like sing with like a little bit more soul it's like yeah it's beautiful no I think so and I think you bring up a good point of putting yourself into your work right because most of the time especially as like artists like you could be singing a song that somebody else wrote or I, I'm yeah. acting in a play that somebody else wrote and I'm trying to in inhabit this character. And if you don't put 
your own flair, your own taste into what you're doing, you're not, you're not performing, right? Because none of you is in what you're doing. And so that's why it's super important, again, to know your style, know your uniqueness. So that way, when you go into doing something that may not have necessarily been made with you in mind, you now have made it your own. Yes, exactly. So what was it like for you growing up as a kid? So growing up as a kid, um, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household. Um, and so, and especially from like the ages of 10 to 20, I would say that I like, I followed what I believed my faith to be to a T, right? Like the one thing that I did not want to be called was like a, like a hypocrite. Cause I was like, you know, I want to live this. I want to breathe this. And so, yeah, I would go to church every Sunday. I would um, volunteer. I would do all this stuff. And as someone who's like been a Christian for some time, eventually you do begin to have doubts. And one of the things that the church tries to tell you when you have these doubts is to continue praying, continue reading the Bible, go to church, like get more involved because you're having these doubts because like the devil is affecting you, right? And I was like, you know, instead of trying to continue to, to, you know, keep burning myself and burning myself out with, with all this religion, why don't I look at counter arguments? Why don't I look at other religions? Um, why don't I look at atheism? And so for about a year from 20 to 21, I was really in depth into just studying. And ultimately I, I came to the conclusion over the course of that year that I was going to become an atheist. And with that, I dropped a lot of the expectations that I placed on myself in terms of my sexuality, in terms of what I thought I could or couldn't do um, because it was against my religion. And what it ultimately did was it freed me up in a lot of ways to become the more true, like a more true version of myself that I knew kind of yes. was always there but I was always kind of afraid to tap into it because of what I believed. Story of my own heart. Like literally <laughs> that it's because I was raised, I was raised Catholic and like, well, part of like you said from 10 to 20, I did stop mm -hmm. going to church at 20, but it's like, there was a, there was a few things with my coming out, which is actually my next question. It, that kind of like, affected that mm -hmm. so it's like so we'll get into it in a second so what was it like for you coming out <sighs> for me coming out i would say that it was a little bit easier i think than most um so i do i do still identify as a bisexual man because there are times where i will still have sex with women it's very rare um but it does happen <laughs> i still i still feel that attraction in some way um, I would definitely say I, I lean more toward the gay side of the spectrum. But because of that, you know, I kind of grew up with this persona. Um, you know, when, when I, as I was growing up, I was very independent. I was a very independent person. And my parents really gave me a lot of freedom to, to, to be, you know, to be myself in a lot of ways outside of the church. And so that's why I got involved in acting. That's why I got involved in theater. And... Um, literally that when I came out, uh, to my friends and to my family, it was, it was when I had my first boyfriend 
Um, so I had been dating like a couple of guys here and there, but I wasn't ever really official with anybody until my first boyfriend in um, uh, 2020, 2019. And instead of just like saying, hey, like I'm gay, I'm coming out. I literally just was like, hey, I have a boyfriend now. Do you want to meet him? <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And, you know, cause they, they cared about me. They wanted to, to also meet other people that I cared about and then wanted to be involved in my life still. And so luckily I would say it was a little bit easier. Um, but obviously there's always still going to be that little hesitancy that comes with, you know, telling people your truth. And so, um, luckily I always kind of had a really good foundation with my friends and family. Yes. Work, and I'm just going to say before I get into this, I'm going to say controversial opinion. Nothing wrong with you being bisexual. Bisexual men are better at sex. Uh, just <laughs> in my, my humble experience, that well, is what I have found. You know, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so I will say to my coming out, in some ways, I had it, I had it easier because I only had to come out to one parent. Because okay. I came out um, four months after my mom died. So it's just having to come out to my dad. And then I have an older sister. My older sister was super accepting. As I just found out in like November, she just came out as wow. well. So it's like, so it's like, now that kind of makes sense. It's like, so that was that. That was the good part. The bad part was to that religion. I came out to a youth minister at the church. Mm. And I told him about this performance ID I had with like a knife and how I'd practice stabbing myself because I'm dramatic, obviously. And he left the room. He came back in about 10 minutes later. He said, okay, you have one of two options. Either you're coming with me or I'm calling the cops. Oh my gosh. Now, if I known what he was going to do to me, I would have let him call the cops because the cops wouldn't have done a damn fucking thing to me. <laughs> so I went with him to get a psyche valve. They had told me I had passed it. So I was just like sitting there. I remember I was like on the phone with my dad. I'm like, yeah, because we were at a hospital. I'm like, yeah, come back here and get me. Like, I'm already. And then all of a sudden I had a cop yell at me. He's like, get off the phone. I'm like, oh. I'm thinking, like, what the fuck? Mm. And then they, like, led me into a hospital room. And for five hours, they just left me in there. They didn't tell me anything. Wow. And then they told me, after those five hours, they did what's called Baker acting somebody, which is essentially when they put them in a 72-hour suicide hold. Mm -hmm. So I was transported from the hospital to a mental institution where I spent... I did not spend 72 hours there. I spent 64. I got released early. Yeah. Because, as somebody pointed out, I was very compliant. Like, I wasn't, like, fighting back at all. But it's like I was brought in on a weekend. And, like, the weekend psychiatrist was, like, kind of, like, giving me a hard time. I was, like, meeting with him. He's, like, playing with knives is dangerous. I'm, like, I know that. Like, I knew what I was doing. Yeah. But on Monday, I met with them. Monday psychiatrist. He basically had one session with me. He's like, he's like, basically told me, they told me afterwards, you're free to go. And 
they told my dad that basically I was a well-adjusted young man and that I shouldn't have been there in the first place, which I mean, absolutely. But then after he was done, it wasn't over because then the youth, the youth minister trapped me in a room with him and a priest and they set me up with a therapist to pray the gay away. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm very sorry to hear that that happened. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it's so funny. I ha- I still have a lot of friends who are who are fairly religious, and I would say they kind of go to what I consider to be like new age churches, where you know they do perform gay weddings. They're very accepting of gay people in these churches in these spaces. Um, but I think we also have to come to terms with the fact that conversion therapy is, is a still very real and ongoing thing. Um, there still is a lot of negativity and, and self-harm and self-doubt when it comes to, especially younger children, teenagers that grow up in the church, uh, in other spaces. And so I think as the LGBTQ plus community, like we have to do a good, a, a better job of really calling this out when we see it. Um, and it's not even that, I don't even think it's a thing where we have to attack religion. We just have to attack the practice of putting others down for their sexuality. And that is the biggest thing that I think we have to combat. Well, it's also, you say you don't have to, okay, here's where I'd like slightly disagree with it. It's not that we don't have to attack religion. Mm -hmm. We have to attack the right religions because right it's is it every baptist church that's out there that's causing problems no but are there mm-hmm. baptist churches that are absolutely causing problems out there that need to be abolished absolutely like mm-hmm. is there like for example i would say like the one church that pretty much unanimously not even for gay people just in general the church of scientology literally needs to just be abolished completely oh Um, yeah it's very harmful yeah like any churches that are almost like cults there's no argument for and Mm -hmm. a lot of people can say that like catholicism's not a cult i would absolutely agree that it is because literally you you, they say you eat the body and drink the blood of christ Mm -hmm. if that's not cult mentality i don't know what is well and then even to your point of just like with with the pope right just one person that can communicate directly with god himself i mean so many people take what he says to heart. And I know that at least the most current Pope has been a little more um, discerning when it comes to to gay people and gay couples. Obviously not as far as they need to go, but still it's, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something interesting that I think they're trying. Um, but ultimately, yeah, it's like, you know, when does religion become a cult or is it or is it all kind of cultish i honestly don't know if i have the answer you know and it's almost like 
to the point of atheism, I get it. Mm-hmm. I would. I wouldn't say I'm a full blown atheist. I'm like, I lean more towards the agnostic side, but it's like, I get the atheism argument, and it's like, there's some things that are very true, like the whole um, constantly living for the religion. It's like, in all honesty, it's like, even if there is an afterlife, it's mm-hmm. not going to be as great as what we're having right now. So it's like, mm-hmm. you might as well do what you do, what you believe that you feel in this time, because this is the thing, like life's, life's short and you also kind of realize that like I would say honestly because I've been like suicidal before it's like Mm -hmm. the fact of you could be gone like that yeah, and you have to think about like how it can be you can be gone in a second but I'm also not ashamed because there this is the one thing that I will say and it's something that I feel a lot of gay people have a lot of gay people are afraid to be blunt and honest. Like they're Mm -hmm. afraid to like just be insecure and vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm like, baby, I'm a musician. Like what, what else do you expect me to be? Like, I have to like, if I were, because I see what happens when you don't, and when you aren't insecure and vulnerable and you do things where you create this, like, villain persona and like that's what everyone's attracted to but i'm like first of all at least for the person i'm thinking of i'm not gonna say who it is but the person i'm thinking of it's like a you're not talented enough to get away with this and b nobody's seeing the real you it's like i used to think this person was talented and eventually at one point i took off rose colored glasses and i'm like this person has no vocal talent, like, mm-hmm. or they're in, or at least they're in, in my view, they were in vocal decline. So it's like, yeah, at this point, you're all a gimmick, like, and it's like, it's like, yes, I'm a drag queen. I do the like more upbeat numbers, like I dance and sing and perform, but it's like, it's like, yes, I'm wearing a wig and sunglasses and all this, but it's like, trust, you give me a bar stool or you give me a stool and you just ask me to like sit there and sing a song, I can fucking do it. Yeah. Like, it's like, your ta- talent speaks for yourself, just like you as an actor. Your talent speaks for yourself. It's like, you could sit there and theoretically play like, um, if you were cast like multiple times as like an escort or like, or as like a prostitute, you could sit there and play that. But it's like, (laughs) if you were handed Macbeth, if you, if you're honestly like a good actor, you should be able to do both. Yeah. I think you make, you make a really good, interesting point, especially about men in the the LGBTQ community. I think the the way, first of all, you attack an insecurity is just head on. You have to voice it and you have to talk with others about it. You have to you have to seek accountability. You have to try and find a way to get over it. Um, but I think one interesting thing about us 
as as people who identify as male, we ha we have these societal expectations of what it is to be a man. So we're grappling with, okay, this is what society is telling me I need to be, and this is how I feel, and this is what I want to do. And for me, my honestly, my biggest insecurity growing up was was my body. I I felt that I was just very skinny um, growing up. We just didn't have a lot of resources, and so there were times where you know we would go hungry, or we would you know we wouldn't be able to eat as much as we wanted to. And so I just always kind of viewed myself as this like this like skinny little guy who was ugly and didn't have much to offer. And you could see like my ribs and like all this stuff. And it wasn't until I was a sophomore in college that I was cast in a show called Asylum. And literally it's, it's about a character who can control his dreams, but then his dreams begin to like kind of mesh with reality and he doesn't know what's real and what's not. My whole time I was in that show, I was only in my underwear because I was kind of like walking around, like not realizing that I was like asleep or awake. And for for the whole two hours, I was I was completely like half naked with just my underwear on. And I I had like kind of like a pseudo sex scene in that show. So I had to like, you know, grind on a cast mate um, under the covers. And it was so unlike anything I had ever done before. But by doing that show, it completely got me totally comfortable with myself and my body. I was like, you know, there's something about um, just putting yourself out there in a very vulnerable place um, in front of literally an audience of people you don't even know and performing this show almost completely naked. And it was one of the most freeing experiences of my life. I, yeah, I can completely understand that. Like as I dress in drag now, I'm half naked. Like literally yeah. I wear bodysuits and t-shirt dresses and like underneath I wear like, I I wear like a thong like set on top of each other. So it's like, so it's like all of that and i remember it was like a few weeks ago i was like just wearing a t-shirt dress and like i was running a twitch stream and like i went over to like bend over and i didn't realize like where the angle was so like it's like you saw my ass and like we've all been guilty so, of that yeah and somebody's, <laughs> and somebody's like Somebody's like, you're doing that for attention. I'm thinking, and I'm like, if you think with me almost being, at least this is my view, it's like, I'm almost fucking 30 years old. Like, if you <laughs> think that, like, I'm sitting here intentionally trying to, like, get attention by, like, bending over, it's like, no, it's like, fuck off. It was an accident. And it's like, yeah. I'm not going to apologize for it. It happened. Mm -mm. Yeah, don't apologize. Like, don't ever apologize for stuff like that. And somebody said, it's like, I had somebody say this like beautiful thing. It's like you just entertain them. You um and if you bless them with some form of entertainment, it's fine. I'm like, that is so beautiful. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's like unintentionally like yeah, it's like I don't know. I'm I'm unapologetic. Unapol as I said, like being suicidal before, it's like when people want you to apologize for yourself, it's like listen, 
I thought I was going to be dead by now. So it's like, whatever fucking decisions that I make, I make them. And like, yeah. if you like them, you like them. If you don't, you don't. But I'm also the person who's like, to that insecurity about your body, it's like, if you don't like the way my body looks, don't fucking stare at me. Yeah. That- and I love your I love your take on apologies, too, because one of so my first boyfriend, the one I had talked about earlier, um, he would do kind of a, like a, a lot of really nasty things to me and then would apologize and then do them again. And so to me, I actually I hate the word sorry. I hate that word. I never want to hear it again in my life. I hate when people like apologize to me because to me, it's like, I will, I will give you another chance. I will accept you. But what I need you to do is change that behavior that I have an issue with. Like if, like, I don't need you to say, sorry. Like I, I get that you're probably sorry. I need you to change the issue that I had with you. You know what I mean? Or else your sorry means nothing to me. And so that's where I think I kind of fall in is like, you know, just change the behavior, change you know, don't continue to keep saying sorry or apologize because at the end of the day, it'd be like, yeah, you you should be able to do what you want and say what you want. Yeah. But also keep in mind that a lot of the times, like your words can have consequences. And especially as somebody who's been apologized to a lot and forgave them and then still the same behavior continued to happen. Like, I just don't have any sympathy for that. You know what I mean? So he's almost like when you point out to somebody like that they do something wrong. You'd want Mm -hmm. them to say like, instead of saying like, I'm sorry, be like, what do I, it's weird to think this, but it's like, what do I need to change or what would you like to see me improve? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to give like a specific example, like with my first boyfriend, um, one of the things he would do often is, you know, he would have insecurities about whether or not I actually wanted to be with him. So the way that he would approach it was he's like, oh, like, do you even love me? Do you even care about me? Do you even want to be with me? And I'm like, you know, like, why do you do that? And he's like, well, I want to have like a further discussion because I have insecurities about you actually wanting to be with me. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I get that we all have insecurities. I get that you want to talk about it. He's like asking me a yes or no question on whether or not I love you is not the way to do that. You know, you can say things like, hey, I'm feeling really insecure right now. Can we talk about this? Or, hey, like, this is how I'm feeling. Like, open it up that way. Because then when you attack me with a yes or no question, then I feel kind of like I'm being put on trial, right? Like, at that point, this isn't a conversation. This is me answering your question. Yeah. It's almost like... I'm just trying to think. I'm... Actually, as someone who's had insecurities, I don't think I've ever been that insecure. I have been like, because that, well, that to me is like, especially when you have like the most like stunning, beautiful, like I would describe as like Adonis looking person telling you like, because I had a friend, I had a friend who was like this. Who's like, who's like, do I need? He asked me. He's like, he's like, do I need filler? I'm like, I'm like, I am not answering this fucking question. Like, <laughs> you, you already know the answer. You like, you're, it's. I'm literally. I'm like, I'm like, you are literally one of my hottest friends. Like, I am not Aww. like, I'm not like sitting there like and 
I'm not engaging in you saying that you need filler and lip plumping. No, I'm not engaging in this conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I am that kind of person who will, like, shut that down. And I'm also, like, I am, the, as I said, to the bluntness, it's like, mm-hmm. when I had one of my fans who's, like, also a musician, like, approached me and was, like, they took, like, a photo and they're, like, should I delete this as my profile picture? I'm, like, I'm, I literally said, like, flat out, I'm, like, yes, that's not flattering. Like, yeah, you're a bigger person. You have to know how to shoot yourself. I'm, like, mm-hmm. I very much learned that. The thing is, in some ways, I, like, I give it to bigger people who are shorter because I am fucking tall as fuck. Like, <laughs> literally i'm six foot three like i'm just it's like how i like can balance things it's like i know what my angles are and are but it's like i can do more of like a traditional model shot in like mm-hmm. photos and like have to just like only on the like waist slimmer apps move my move my waist just a little bit in to make it look better but it's like mm-hmm. that's the advantage of being tall like right is that you're able to look better but it's like Yes, you see people, and it's like, what you have to go through is like, and again, this is me getting older, it's like, not me thinking that somebody who's skinny, automatically their first thought, my first thought used to be, it's not this way anymore, mm-hmm. oh, that person's a bitch, like, mm-hmm. literally just casting them aside from the beginning. Is there some people where it's like, it's like, no, I have a reason to think that you're a bitch. There's something about your aura that, like, says that. But you can't just say, like, skinny person, bitch. Like, yeah. No, you can't. Yeah, exactly. You can't paint with a broad stroke. And and when somebody comes to you with those questions, right, it's like, it's not like you're attacking the person. You're attacking, no. like, you're, you're giving them an honest opinion on a photo. You're giving them an honest opinion, like, that was one thing when I started off as an actor, it was kind of tough for me. And maybe you can relate to this as a musician. Like when people give you feedback, you take it personally and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like, like if they don't completely like it, you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I'm awful. It's like, no, like maybe they just didn't like that part of the song, or maybe they didn't like your acting choice when you did this, or maybe they didn't like the angle of the photo. And so they want you to take a better angle, you know, for the photo. Right. So I think what a lot of people need to do is, is just stop taking things personally. Understand that when somebody's giving you advice, especially somebody who cares about you, they're not doing it from a place of malice. They're not doing it from a place of hatred. It really is just to try and make you better as an artist, as a performer. So. See, I get that. I had a little bit of time like that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I went to the way of I am now, which is basically like, fuck you. I'm right. You're wrong. Like, yeah. And what was it? It was my drag sisters having this conversation with her where she's like, okay so if you want to because i don't perform much it's like Mm -hmm. around here which is why i want to leave florida it's like yeah she's like okay if you want to perform around here you have to lip sync and you have to wear a gown and i literally went i'm like why the fuck would i do that that's not that's not me that's y'all like there's a reason why 
I have like a broader scope and like why I could survive outside of Florida. Cause it's like this area, same, same five Queens get booked everywhere. Yep. And it's like, it's like, it's because they wanted to choose like be part of this house or be part of that house. I'm like, here's the house I want to be a part of. I am my own person, bitch. I do not need to be part of anybody's house. Like, I literally taught myself how to do everything mm. as a performer. Like, and it's it's to my start. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like I started out performing at open mic nights and straight bars. Like, being the only, the only, like, queer, like, drag acts out there. It's like, I had to learn how to fucking work a room. And it's like, why in terms of like being able to work a room, I can do that. Cause like when you have to sit there and you already know that half the audience is not on your side, mm-hmm. just cause you're different mm-hmm. and being like, Oh, let me show you. Like you may be here for the same acoustic sets, boring acoustic sets, but it's like, <laughs> it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love acoustic, but it's like one, two is fine. When you got mm-hmm. five or six, guys all sitting out there trying to be like fucking John Mayer like no 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 well and that's great I think that's great that you're getting out because honestly like you you do strike me as someone who is a more midwest or midwest queen because there it's much more accepted out there like to me all the queens that I knew at least from Columbus like they weren't a part of houses they didn't all wear the same thing that was what what was so great about the Columbus scene was like Every, it was so vast and it's such a variety and like you could go and you could you could get grunge you could get you know pageantry if that's what you wanted but it yeah. all like you didn't have to always do one thing and so i think to your point it's like yeah you got to get away from from spaces that continue to really prop up a lot of these stereotypical things because then you're you're going to lose your voice because you just you just can't reach anybody because no one's giving you that chance you know what i mean yeah absolutely it's why like i look at who is it just to bring in like drag race you look at somebody like diabetti i loved diabetti mm-hmm. in season 14 because like she was so like she was more like grungy and like androgynous and didn't mind like wearing things that were more like masculine and drag and it's like I kind of love that. Yeah. Instead of being like the pretty, like that's my thing. Two Gaga being my favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Somebody quoted, they're like quoted that Gaga said, like, she's like, I'm never going to be Britney Spears. I'm not that pretty. And it's like, that's, that's how you have to be. And it's like, mm-hmm. granted, I'm not going to say anything. I love Britney. I love, yeah. I love Madonna. I love all this, but it's like, mm-hmm. There's something about like not fitting a mold that's beautiful. And as you said that as an actor, you probably don't well, you probably fit a mold probably can fit a mold if you really want to, but like mm-hmm. you seem like the kind of person who doesn't want to fit in that mold. Am I wrong? Am I fair? No, you're, you're right. I mean, definitely looking back at my acting career, 
I was a lot more selective of what I chose to do, I think, more than other people. Because as I said, like, and maybe you can relate to this, like, as a performer, they're like, oh, someone's giving you an opportunity. Like, you have to do it. You have to say yes to everything. And for me, you know, I I very much starting out got cast a lot in the, like, the kind of, like, the romantic, like you said, kind of, like, boy next door role. Yeah. And I was, I just wasn't having fun with it. It was, like... I, I wanted to be, I wanted to do comedy. I wanted to do like crazy stuff. Like I wanted my, like, like the, the play asylum, like my character had like a mental breakdown at one point. That was some of the most fun I'd ever had in my life because I was just so unhinged. Right. And for me, like I was only in maybe two or three shows a year, but it's because they were shows that I chose. It's, it's very difficult for me as an actor to find, first of all, a script that I really enjoy. I want, I want it to be thought provoking. I want it to be something that people think about after they leave the theater. You know, they don't want them to just come have a good time and leave and then never think about it again. Like I still have people reach out to me to this day and they're like, oh my gosh, that play that you were in like a few years ago, I was still like thinking about that monologue that you did. It was so good. I'm like, thank you so much. Like it, like, that's the thing, like, as an artist, you have to be intentional with your craft, because if you say yes to everything, you're going to lose yourself, you're going to burn yourself out. And you, like, you just you can't do that to yourself. Yeah, it was also why, like, okay, and I know I've got other questions here, but I'll, I'll ask you this. So it's like, in some ways, at least from what I'm hearing, you feel you sound like you'd be more of like, you're more of someone who like loves the theater and would love to stay in like theater versus somebody who wants to become like a movie actor. Is that? Yeah. I did. There's something about the lot. Like if there's anything that I would love to do, honestly, it would, it would be Saturday night live because I think you still yeah. have that. You still have that TV element, but you still have that live element. Yes. Um, so, and, and of course you can speak to this, getting that live energy from the audience in the moment is just yeah. something you can't replicate in television or, or film. Um, don't get me wrong. Like I've, I've definitely done some minor things for, for like a, like a little film cameo here or like TV cameo there. Um, but nothing like kind of extraordinary or big. Uh, I wasn't like a main character or anything. Um, but you, you do it, you do it in several takes and yeah. It's like it, the magic just isn't there as much for me. For me, um, no. I, I I get that a lot of people like to watch stuff back. I hate watching myself. <laughs> I hate watching myself. It's like one of the one of the things I'm like I cannot watch myself. So that's also kind of another problem. <laughs> no, because then you start you start like nitpicking the things that go wrong. I, I get it. Like, yeah, that's why when I watch myself, I look like I'm like, ah, eh, that note could have been better. But it's like. But it's like, I also love that live thing. And to your point, uh, or at least to what I'm going to make, in terms of like Hollywood actors, it's like, I heard, who was it? I think it was Emily Blunt's talk about like, when she was on Howard Stern, how she had to like, basically she was offered to do like Black Widow, but she had to turn it mm -hmm. down because she was contractually obligated to do Gulliver's Travels. And I'm like, that that goes to your point where it's like, at that point, you have to say yes to that because it's like you're under contract. We're like, yeah, that to me, it seems like 
it's like yes i understand people love movies we have to make movies because people love to watch them but it's like with that it's like man you're not you're so like contractually obligated it's why like i think it was like in my like mid-20s i realized i'm like i don't seek fame yeah and it's like because i hear what happens when you do it's like you have to sit there and if you're signed to a record label they're gonna be like i want you to work with these six producers so you owe us all this money back when you're done at the end of your album process it's like mm-hmm. why would i work with six producers when i can make the beats myself like it's like yes will i have to like fundraise my own money it's like Yes, but it's like if I have to escort to make my music videos happen, I might do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and to your point, I mean, I think there's something to be said about you um, owning your own journey. I think a lot of the time when we try to look for uh, opportunities when it involves contracts, when it involves, you know, something, somebody else kind of coming in and, and taking ownership of something, again, you lose, you lose that essential part of like you, you putting your all into it, right? Because now you're only putting a little bit of yourself into it. And then they're taking it over and doing the rest. And it's not, it's not a bad thing. I don't think, you know, it's necessarily inherently wrong. But a lot of things on the outside can be done for the wrong reasons. And then you're involved. And now you're like, Oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? This isn't what I thought I was signing up for. Yeah. So okay, actually I guess I'll rephrase this question. So it's like mm-hmm. what made you want to move to Denver? Yeah, so the reason I moved ultimately is because I got a new job. And so I I am a flight attendant now. Um and uh with that it can be a little bit more challenging to continue to be an actor, do things um, but I'm slowly getting into the process of like being able to manage my schedule a little bit better now. Yeah. I've only been in Denver for about five months, but I was feeling very stagnant in Columbus. I was feeling very complacent. I had kind of reached the peak of what I could achieve there as an actor, as a career minded person. And, you know, now I was, I was kind of like, what's next? Because I knew I knew I needed to get out of Columbus in order to push myself further um, as a person. And so that's when my friend came with an opportunity. He was like, yeah, look into being a flight attendant. I do it. It's amazing. It's so fun. I'd always wanted to travel more. Um, And so it just really kind of fell into my lap at the right place in the right time. Yeah. See, I mean, I get that. Literally, the person, as I was telling you, I'm just doing another interview today. The person I'm interviewing is also a flight attendant. So, like, I understand that, like, unpredictability of, like, how you're on call all the time. Like, I get that to me. Yeah. I I don't know. As I say, I have the, um, like, easy. I would say I have one of the easiest, like, corporate jobs you can have. But it's, like... (laughs) At the same time, I love having Monday through Friday. Like, it sucks yeah. when you have to, like, do shit, but it's, like, it's just better, especially, like, as I said, I'm I'm literally from Fort Lauderdale. I'm, like, an hour and a half away, so it's, like, 
if I want to go do stuff in Fort Lauderdale, I have to leave for the weekend and come back up. Like, right. I can't just, I can't just go down for the day. Somebody I've interviewed on here, they're like, I do stuff on Sunday. I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm like, I'd love to do that, but like, girl, I got to be to work Monday morning. Like, yeah, I can't like come down Sunday night and leave Monday morning. Like, yeah, I think I think that was the the thing that was the most difficult to get adjusted to, especially like when you want to hang out with friends now too, right? Like, yeah. like m- most of my days off are in the week now. I usually work mostly weekends, and uh, it can be hard. But what I would say is, um, I I do like the job. I like being able to go places I never would have ever gone before in my life. Um, like this past week I went to San Luis Obispo, which is like an hour North of San Francisco. And, uh, it's like this cute little, like beachside town that has like maybe 50,000 people. And it was one of the prettiest places I think I've ever been in my life. And I never would have gone there ever. Like, why would I have ever, ever gone there? And because of this job I did, and I, now I can appreciate it. And I want to go back because of how much fun I had. And yeah, so. But there are certain places you 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 could have missed. Like yeah. you could you, you could admit that. Like you don't really need to go to Salt Lake City. You don't really need to no. go to Charlotte. You don't need to go to like, um, what is it, Boise? Like th- these are yeah. places that. That's why, what was it? My sister lives in Montana and somebody's like, are you going the she's trying to move but like as she's listening she's like are you are you going to go visit your sister i'm like no they're like but there's so much nature nature in montana i'm thinking have you met me <laughs> like, like as i always say ben franklin invented electricity so i can stay my ass inside yeah and your like, sister can come visit you that's that's the thing that's the tea she don't want to come <laughs> back to florida she, here's the thing nobody wants to come back to florida cuz this is the thing about florida it's it takes so long to get out of Florida, either flying or driving. That's why I want to yeah. leave. Like, I used to do, I used to do back and forth to Atlanta, like go for like a few days and like come back when I was trying to live there. It takes twelve hours to get to Atlanta. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, because because of how long it takes to get out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Like half of that state. is literally yeah. That's why I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> let me some people are like when they say detroit they're like they're like but you're gonna have winter i'm like i i like that literally christmas day here it mm-hmm. rained it rained yeah. and it was 70 it was 75 degrees outside i'm like this is where i'm like this is not the fantasy like this is like everyone like wants white Christmas. The only white Christmas in Florida is when you're doing coke in the bathroom. Like that's <laughs> literally the closest <laughs> thing you're getting to fucking white Christmas in this state. No, like I am good. Like with it, eighty five. Like literally just just to prove to you like how hot it was. Literally from me just like doing my makeup and like coming into my bedroom before. I was sweating. <laughs> my legs were like sweating from me just standing and doing my makeup. I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. No. And I, and I think the fact that you already have like a place in mind that you want to yeah. go and like, like that's honestly, that's half the battle because 
now you can like now it's tangible right like now you can actually achieve that and i think that's great for you yeah and it's like granted people have asked me like through this podcast like i've made this is my thing i've made connections everywhere all over the country and like now even like i've done international interviews i don't Mm -hmm. haven't done many because with the whole time zone thing it's not i was just telling somebody the craziest interview i did i interviewed somebody in australia wow and i literally had to like thank them for being like because to do the interview they had to get up at 7 a.m their time whoa and i'm like and i was and i was like thank you for doing this for me i really appreciate it because <laughs> it's like but that's why like i would love to do more international interviews don't... I'm sure you will. I'm sure that's good. Yeah, yeah it's definitely something yeah. that's going to happen. I know it will, but it's like I have to have time. By the way, if grind if Grinder or or Sniffies is seeing this, I will gladly take a sponsorship so that I can stop working a regular job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why not? I can sit there. Like, right? Literally, I don't even know what Sniffies catchphrases is, but it's like. It's like it's like live free, go fuck in the woods, sniffies. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good catchphrase. <laughs> Work. So what made you want to become an actor? Mm, you know, so since I was heavily involved in the church, um, sometimes we would do like these like little shows um you mostly they were like singing i cannot sing though i cannot sing for the life of me um but we would like do these like little choir performances and i noticed like in middle school I, we would get up on the stage i wouldn't be nervous like a lot of my other friends like were like petrified they're like oh my gosh like everybody's gonna be looking at me blah blah blah, blah. and i'm like no like this is great this is so fun let's go and when i realized that i wasn't like totally afraid to be on stage i mean there's definitely still some nerves that come with it but i wasn't like i didn't have stage fright um i was like i need to look more into this so i started taking like drama classes at school i loved memorizing lines i loved being able to perform for an audience make people laugh that was like my biggest thing is i love to make people laugh and um yeah eventually it just kind of kept kept going and going. And, um, you know, I had, I had a a drama teacher in high school and she, she actually was the drama teacher for John Legend because to me and John Legend went to the same high school. And, um, she was like, you know, Lane, you have like a gift, um, and you should, you should go for it. Cause at first I was going to go to college to be like a psychiatrist or psychologist. And, um, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do acting. And so that's what I did instead. (laughs) See, I was, I was, so I wish I will say this. I took, I took drama a little bit in high school Mm -hmm. and like now looking back at it, I listened to my sister who tried to like tell me not to go to school for like musical theater. I would have rather done that. Like, Uh cause it would have like, I mean, granted, can I act? Yes. But it's like, would I, if I were to like do a role, would I want to like go into an acting class? Absolutely. Cause it's like, yeah, I can do it, but I don't want to, I don't want to like listen to all the gays out there. We all saw Mariah carrying glitter. I'm not like, I'm not going to look like that. Like, you, no, 
You were not gonna make me look a fool on set. Like, no. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. So what made me want to become was this thing? I've been singing since I was like, at least from what I can remember, like five years old. And uh-huh. like in terms of I was always the person in choir, especially in high school. I was also the person who always getting in trouble in choir because like everybody else would like sing properly and I'd slide all my notes because in my mind, I thought I was Christina Aguilera. I still kind of do, but it's like, do those runs. Yes. Yes. I that, That's how I do things. It's like, I remember the choir teacher always staring at me like, I'm like, I'm sorry. Cause this is my thing. It's like, Again, being a tall ass bitch, I, I, my voice projects like, yeah. That's why anyone who thinks like those people who like hold the microphone like right here when they're singing, my microphone's like here. <laughs> Cause it's like, if I hold the microphone right there, I'm going to bust your eardrums. Like, right. It's going to be too loud. <laughs> and that's why, who is it? Some of my like favorite divas do that. One of them is, I love Anastasia. Like Anastasia has says like, I think it was like after she got breast cancer the first time and somebody's like, the chemo stuff affected her voice. And she's like, she's like, no, this is great. Now I won't sit here and have to like, I won't break as many microphones. I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking of like, yes. <laughs> I love that. I love when, this is the thing when everyone wants to be like how can you tell if somebody's lip syncing if they have a headset mic and their microphone's right there they ain't singing <laughs> cover that mouth yeah like <laughs> that's why people like britney spears is singing live here i'm like no she's not no no it's like you you can like i've heard britney sing it's like but you can clearly hear where the track is and it's like i do when you hear something and it's like obviously a um for me it's like when it's obviously a um studio track yeah i'm like i'm like come on you y'all couldn't even record something with like the fake breaths in there to make it look like yeah real, or like gonna, hey yeah. dallas how's it going you know like something do something yeah <laughs> like the see going back to the super bowl like everyone's like britney would never britney spears said she would never perform again after leaving her conservatorship i'm like Y'all could convince her to do Super Bowl because it's right. one performance. Mm-hmm. You rehearse for a few months. You do the twelve minute performance. You're done. Right. I'm pretty sure you can convince Britney Spears to do that. Like, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm like y'all convinced Rihanna to do that, or like last year, and she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I'm like that would be. I hear how much pressure that, but that's also a lot of pressure. I hear that. And I'm like, yeah, that's also, it's like, cause my thing is I would love that idea, but it's like, I'd be like, I'm going to get in trouble for swearing. Like <laughs> I actually, actually to the point of performing in the straight bars, actually, well, I didn't get in trouble. I got told not to do something. Mm. So one week I had like ended my set by by going motherfucker and then like going into a dance break. <laughs> and then 
the following week, the owner came up to me as I was sitting down on my table. And she's like, yeah, there's old people in the audience this week. Don't do that. Oh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm at a bar. I'm not allowed to fucking swear at a bar. Seriously. Right. They know. They know what they're signing up for. <laughs> they did that. And then there's like a comedian that had like this joke about like a stripper sliding down the stripper pole with her pussy. And they're like, yeah, don't do that joke either. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, you're telling us that we can't do shit. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are these people supposed to see? Like, yeah, they're in a bar. What did you say? We're not in church right now. <laughs> exactly. It's like, that's why I'm like, I'm again, being an electronic act among acoustic sets. It's like, yeah, I'm going to sit there and scream like, how the fuck you doing tonight, Orlando? Like, yeah, I have to wake these people up. They're going to fall asleep after I'm done anyway. Like, right. <laughs> might as well wake them up and be like, ball of energy. But I'm like, you know what? Fine. I won't swear. I'll be calm. <sighs> That's why. I'm hoping to do both in Detroit, and it sounds like, at least from what I can hear, if I have to go into an open mic night occasionally in a straight bar, I won't mind it. If I can mm -hmm. perform my originals in a gay bar, I'd prefer that. Right. It's like, I won't get in as much trouble, and it's also like, if they say like they say like because I know in the straight bars it's probably be like because I wear like as I said body suits so it's like mm -hmm. if they say wear pants I'm like I'm thinking oh. girl <laughs> you sure you want me to wear pants <laughs> it's like it's like I'm wearing fishnets on top of my legs and everything's like covered it's like it's not like i have my ass out in the middle of like mm -hmm. where you're serving food not yeah. saying that not saying that i wouldn't do that because again like if you're wearing fish that's on top of it i should be able to have my right ass out it's not like i'm gonna go to people's tables <laughs> right i'm gonna be like on stage like hopefully they'll come up and hand me money it's like that's why i'm like somebody's like I wouldn't want somebody's ass out where I'm like near food. It's like, granted, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I totally get that. Word. So, what's your favorite role that you've played? Yeah, I mean, I think I think my favorite role has to be that asylum play that I did. I yes. mean, not only was it just a great show, it just like got me completely out of my element. It forced me to to deal with a lot of my insecurities that I had head on and I was for, I was forever changed because of it so yes forever changed and now does like sexy shoots with with <laughs> photographers which again I'm all for um thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Good so okay What's my favorite thing that I've done? Mm. Ooh. I don't think I've... This is going to be like a broad answer, but it's like, I don't think I've done it yet. Like, Ooh, that's a good answer. It's almost like... Because, yeah, I've performed places I've performed in competitions and lost, but it's like... It's because, as I said, like, 
I don't think as you've as you pointed out, I'm more like a I'm probably gonna do better in the Midwest anyway. Like I didn't ever yeah. really fit in in Florida because like I'm the person who's like I like performing. I like performing long form. My thing mm-hmm. is like it's like granted, I'm like I understand you have to do your like one two numbers to like pay your dues, but it's like right. I'd rather do four and five songs. I'd rather go a half an hour, like half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, like, cause I can do it. Like, but I mean, granted, I get it. Like, and somebody said like, well, then why don't, or like they said, you sound like you could host a show. I'm like thinking I absolutely probably could. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Thank you. As as I said, this is somebody said like this is probably harder than hosting at a bar. It's like, mm. a cool I would thing. agree. Uh, yeah, because it's like you don't have. To, I mean, granted, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna sit there and be like, "Oh, look, there's the drunk fuck in the corner. Let me go talk." <laughs> Work. So, okay, so what made you want to get into modeling? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Hmm. So when my Instagram started back, I started doing Instagram like probably my freshman year of college. And it was mostly just like landscape shots. I think my stuff was like lane photography or something like that. Like I would just do, I would I would travel, go to places, yeah. landscape shots. And that's really how I started to build a following up until I think I got to about a thousand followers. And then once I got there, uh, I noticed that a lot of my landscape shots weren't getting as much traction as they used to. And so then I started kind of posting like, you know, personal photos of myself and it would get sometimes double, sometimes triple the likes that my landscape photos would get. So I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe I need to pivot the account now to like show more more of me like you know post some of my like my you know little skits on here that i did like you know this was before TikTok, um but little skits that i would do photos of myself what was interesting was i didn't start actually shooting with professional photographers until probably like 2017 2018 so i was already out of college by this point So a lot of the photos that you see on my Instagram up until maybe the early 2020s were all photos that I did of myself. I would like just have, I would have a stand, I would take a photo and I liked doing that because I knew what I wanted. I would put on a timer, you know, all that good stuff. And I noticed that when I had my first shoot, I was very like, I was very scared because I had never done anything like that before. I didn't let anybody else take photos of me. So the way that I started to approach it was I would tell the photographer, I said, treat me as if you're a director and I'm an actor. Like, tell me where to go. Tell me where to stand. Tell me how to look. What's the emotion, right? And so that actually makes me feel a lot more better now about taking photos with photographers because now they can direct me. Whereas before, I think they thought I was coming in like already with like kind of this model mindset in mind. And I'm like, no, like I'm an actor. Like I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm a model. Like I like taking photos, but you know, most of the time 
I just like doing it to kind of help them build their vision and their portfolio. And, you know, I just get some sexy photos out of it. So, (laughs) yes. Well, okay. I am going to ask you because I am curious. Like, I'm probably going to end up having him shoot my um, album cover. So, yeah, I'm going to ask you about this. So, what is it like working with Joshua J. Steele? I love Joshua. Um, he was one of the first photographers. He wasn't the first, but he was like maybe the second or the third photographer who ever did photos of me. Um, he was stopping through Columbus on the way to another photo shoot and he had seen my Instagram. I was like, Hey, like, I really like your Insta. Would it be okay if I came over and did some photos? And I was like, yeah, sure. That's totally fine. So we kind of just, we did like a home photo shoot at my apartment at the time. Um, I was mostly just in a, like a jock strap, but like kind of playing video games, kind of like just like meandering about my apartment and doing these kind of like still shots. We did a couple of shots like where I was like laying down in my bed. Um, and we just like, there was just such a fun chemistry. Like Josh always does a great job of like really not only like talking you through what he wants for the shot, but just like yeah. also just like checking in on you, making sure that you feel comfortable and okay um and so we like we like became like really good friends and it wasn't until um a few weeks ago that i actually had a layover in louisville and i was like hey like we need to connect we need to hang out and we ended up doing another shoot kind of like in the hotel that i was staying at and again it was just such a blast like he's such a professional he has such a clear vision i love his work and i'm super happy to see like his stuff taking off because like back yeah. when we first connected, he was very much new to the uh, professional photography scene and to see like everybody he's shot with now, it's like, it, it's been amazing to see how far he's come. So I'm glad yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be like one of the first people that he let kind of be on his SD card and his camera. So yes. As I said, like, I am someone, like, I get that. I have never done a photo shoot before, but it's like, if I'm going to make an album, I clearly, well, this is the thing. He said, like, when we interviewed, when I interviewed with him, and it's like, he wants someone who doesn't mind having a vision. I'm like, I'm like, trust, this is my album. I already have a vision of what (laughs) I want to do. All I need you to do is basically, like, be able to, like, work with me to, like, put my vision out there. Like, yeah. So, would you ever consider doing OnlyFans? So, <laughs> oh, I don't, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. So, um, I may have done it in the past. <laughs> no, um, I, I used to, I used to, I don't do it anymore, sadly. Um, but back in 2021, and then I think in even in 2022, because there was a, a bit of time where I had stopped and I had restarted again. Um, I did OnlyFans. So because of like, I just I just feel very comfortable with myself. I'm a very like sex positive yeah. person. I yes. think there's still unfortunately kind of like a negative stigma when it comes to people who do OnlyFans. But to be honest with you, like a lot of the people that I collaborated with were like, were doctors, were like CEOs. And what was funny was like, so on their like Twitter and things like that, like they would never show their face. Like you would have to actually subscribe in order to like see who they were. Um, I I was never someone who wanted to do that. 
I was like, this is me. This is who I am always. Um, but now that I kind of have this career, what I don't want to happen is um, like the company that I work for, I won't say who they are. They're very strict on like social media guidelines. And they're like, you know, like if we find something on your social media that we don't agree with or that we don't like, like you can get in trouble for that. And so that's kind of ultimately why I decided to take that step back because yeah. I didn't want it to affect my job. I don't think it should affect my job, to be honest with you. I think it's a little unfair that they kind of expect that. But for the time being, like, that's kind of that's kind of why I paused. Um, right. But I had I would always have such a blast. I love collaborations. I love the people that I worked with. Um, I love just like just putting myself out there. It's again, it's such a freeing experience. So see, I would get that. My thing is with that. I get where mm -hmm. I get mine isn't so much like a corporate job thing. My thing is being a musician. I don't want the whole conversation of like, it's like, I want you to take me as seriously as an artist, but it's like, but I saw you do this on OnlyFans with this. And it's like, it's like, no, like, it's almost like, why should I have to prove to you yeah. that I'm talented just because you saw me do something like i'm very much for that it's like shit like my view literally on escorting and doing all that mm -hmm. stuff it's like i've done it before because it's like it's like i don't actively like seek people trying yeah. to give me money but if you're gonna give me money i'm gonna take it like <laughs> right <laughs> it's like yeah. you're offering me money absolutely it's like yeah and i and i hope eventually that that conversation does change and that stigma is is taken down because it really hinders a lot of people who I know that would be more open to doing it too. Cause I know that there's a lot of people who really want to do it, but because of, like you said, the, the, the mindset of people who do it, like it's such, just such a stigma. And I'm like, it, there doesn't need to be, there doesn't need to be one. I can still be yeah. a professional and still want to share myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, First of all, it's like, yeah, it's literally like a second form of income. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's the only way you can get people to pay for. We're going to say like erotic stories, porn, but it's like, mm -hmm. that's the only way you can get people to pay for shit. Cause it's like, it's like, nobody wants to pay for studios. I wouldn't want to pay for studios either. It's like, right. That's like, I sit here and have to pay you like 40 bucks every like, month to subscribe I'm like mm -mm, no <laughs> girl girl it's 2024 like ain't nobody right. got that kind of money like <laughs> work so what's your dating life been like Ooh, so my dating life right now is kind of a little chaotic in terms of i've gone on a few dates with some guys and ultimately the reason i think they kind of back out is because they don't like my schedule as a flight attendant they kind of want somebody more who's like your typical nine to five. I can be at home with them at the end of the day, every day. And I don't, I don't hold that against them. Like I, I definitely can understand the ideal relationship of like wanting somebody to be there when you get home. Cause you know, I'm gone sometimes three, four days out of the week on a trip. Um, but I think, but like you said, like, because I'm a new flight attendant, that's just what my yeah. schedule is like starting out. 
yeah. it's not going to be that way forever. And so eventually I'm going to have a lot more control over when I fly and where I fly. Um, it's just that I'm kind of like in the trenches right now of just trying to like, you know, do the job. Right. And so um, right now it's like trying to find somebody who can understand that like, this is my job. This is what I chose to do. And I don't know, in a way it almost kind of feels like I'm being punished for choosing this job. You know what I mean? But I can understand, I can understand where they're coming from. See, I get it. Like mine is also complicated, but simply because of the fact that like my friends with benefits, we've been having sex for years, all that mm-hmm. we like are very like, they're definitely like, love romantic feelings there but it's like his whole thing is he's like he's like but his whole thing is like i know you want to move to detroit and Mm. he wants to stay in florida and i'm thinking i'm like because he wants to move to orlando i'm thinking girl this is the thing again i lived there for four years so it's like yeah i know and especially like orlando now for out for as like big of a city it is there are three gay bars in Orlando. That's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're all like spread out. So there's not like a gay district. So I'm thinking, I'm like, you're going to go to the parks. You're going to theme parks. You're going to go to like those three bars. And then like, eventually you're just going to end up moving to Detroit with me anyway. So like, why would you just like, <laughs> he, he, I'm not sure if he thinks that cause he's, he's like, he doesn't like the cold, but I'm thinking, I'm like, you can adjust to the cold. That's why, like, I'm planning on moving in summer, so that way, like, Mm -hmm. by the time it gets gets to winter, I will theoretically be somewhat adapted to the weather change. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then again, I can understand that frustration, too. It's like, like, you know, ultimately, like, yeah, you're probably, like, you're not going to be happy where you think you're going to go, so why not just be, no, like, that you're going to be happy with me. Yeah. And so, yeah. And it's like, first of all, it, it, he doesn't want to commit. I'm thinking, I'm like, well, you better commit before I go. Cause like, mm. it's like, the thing is he's a black guy and it's like, I'm going into Detroit. I'm like, if you don't commit, there are plenty of black guys in Detroit who love thick bitches with a fat ass like mine. I'm going to find somebody who's going to, if you don't like, mm-hmm. you're going to be very popular. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do. That's why somebody's like, what was it? Even my dad pointed out because I'm living at home and he's like, he's like, he's like, so you're going to be the token white of the neighborhood. I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't fucking care about that. Like, it's like I was when I was in Orlando. I lived in the middle of the hood because that's where I could afford to get an apartment. Like Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So what's your relationship to drugs and alcohol? Mm, good question. So I don't I don't do any drugs. Um, ultimately because also my job, like they they drug test a lot. Um, and they have to, right? Because obviously you're working on airplanes, you don't want to make sure somebody's not on something um, when that happens. I do drink, but it's very sporadically. Um, Usually I only have maybe two to four drinks a week and it's only socially. So for me, it's like, yeah, I I only want to do it socially because I want to be around other people when I drink. Um, But yeah, I never really drink on my own, so. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. 
Oh, well, I guess why they could drug test you, but I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm like, you ain't the one flying the plane. Why does it matter if you're on drugs or not? Like, yeah, I think, I think it's just they want to make sure that, like, if something happens, like you're in your full mental capacity in order to deal with an emergency. Yeah. And I get yeah. that. Um, so, so yeah, so I mean, my thing is like, I don't do drugs. I mean, granted, the job that I work. I know people who are literally come to work like high every day, even though like, mm -hmm. even though like they discourage, they discourage it. Like, like this is how absurd I was. So I work for a call center. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's like you allow people to bring in their vapes every day, but I'm not allowed to bring in my cell phone. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's the kind of job I work for. Cause they're like, because they're like, oh, you're going to take people's credit card information when they're taking payments. I'm thinking, I'm like, no. if I if I knew how, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking like, most of these motherfuckers can't pay their bills on time. Like, you think that's who I'm going <laughs> to steal money from? <laughs> it's like, if I did that, I would learn how to steal from the company and like funnel that into my bank account. Like, if mm -hmm. I'm really going to do that again, like, again, people can't pay their bills. Like, <laughs> It's like okay crazy crazy yeah we're getting a call center i've worked at a call center before it's it's yeah. it's something <laughs> it's like honestly in overall except for like the no cell phone thing it's like mm -hmm. it's one of the like favorite jobs that i've had it's like yeah but it's like is it something i want to do long term no i'm an artist like mm -hmm. It's like, I don't want to sit there. I mean, granted, am I the narcissist who sits there and listens to my own interviews? Absolutely. That's fine. <laughs> well, because I have to. Yeah. My thing is, I need something where I can like stop and start. And it's like, whenever you try and like listen to music, the second the phone rings, you have to answer the phone. So it's like, mm -hmm. you can't really like get into the song, especially when you're like grooving and grooving. And then all of a sudden, like the beat's about to drop. And that's when the phone rings. It's like, there's no point in listening to music like exactly <laughs> so what are your thoughts on how the lgbt community is being treated today oh it's really sad um i think a lot of people are kind of downplaying this election that's coming up and i can understand why i mean it's obviously like yeah. i know both candidates aren't uh popular by any means. Yes. Um, but I think we now know the Supreme Court wants to overturn uh, the gay marriage decision and leave it back up to the states, uh, kind of like what's going on with Roe v. Wade. That's, that's their next thing. Now, I think the Republicans are smart in not doing that until after the election, because that decision won't be made until after whoever wins this next election will win. Yeah. Um, if Trump wins, we will see gay marriage go away nationwide. I know that for a fact. And what's really frustrating about that is I have a lot of gay friends who are Republicans and I'm mostly somebody who operates under the pretense that you can, you can vote and you can believe in whatever you want to believe. Um, right. And I respect that. But when it comes to voting for somebody who you know is blatantly going to take away potentially my right to get married if I'm in the wrong state, 
where does that leave us? You know what I mean? Like, are you truly an ally or a friend of the community if you knowingly vote for somebody who's going to take that right away? And I get there's a lot of other things that people vote for. It's not just right. about gay marriage. It's not just about one one issue or another. But this is a this is a pretty substantial issue. I mean, it's been a precedent for obviously a few years now. But what we've obviously what we've seen with Roe v. Wade, things can get taken away that we thought were going to stay forever. And we need to be diligent as a community to rise up against people who want to further take our rights away from us rather than just kind of being blase about it and being like, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. It doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. I mean, first of all, to that point, it's like, yes. Gay marriage is important, but let's get real. Mm. If the Republicans are elected, we're not going to be able to afford to get married anyway because the economy <laughs> is going to go to shit. So it's like, yeah, it's like you, it's like you could take away all the gay marriage you want. Like I ain't going to be able to fucking afford to get one anyway. So like, <laughs> I know, I know some people are like, no, but it's important. I look, mm. I get it. Yeah. But I would say you're right. There, there's, there's now it's because people think that there's only two choices. And I think mm -hmm. part of that comes down to the media yep. who's simply making it be like, it's going to be Trump or Biden. But it's like, it's like, if you look into people like Marianne Williamson, it's like, she wants to actually fight for the common person. She wants to like find a way to give reparations for slavery not in a way of just like giving people money but it's like putting into infrastructure and i'm like yeah that's someone who like needs to look at but they won't give her any national news because they're like it has to be joe biden yeah it's like it's literally it's like the race of the old mans it's like <laughs> or the old, old man old men it's like yeah it's like why are we gonna elect people who are like gonna be dead by the time mm -hmm. They get to the end of their term, like <laughs> mess. Yeah. And to my final question, what's the biggest misconception about you? Ooh, biggest misconception about me. I love that question. I was thinking, I was thinking about this because of actually a, th a, th a thing that happened last night. Um, so I am somebody who kind of feels a little uncomfortable sometimes in gay spaces. I was at a, I was at a gay bar and they kind of had like this like big dance party that was going on. Um, and I, I, I was meeting some friends there and they had introduced me to like some of their friends and we were all kind of like, you know, just dancing, having a good time, whatever. And um, I think the biggest misconception about me is that I really like only like think about sex or like sex is all that I that I want or that I think about. And I can get why people think that, especially from the photos that I post, the videos that I post. And like, obviously, like I said, I had, I had done OnlyFans in the past. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm... I'm somebody who who likes a connection. Like I, I I want to be able to like know somebody. I want to be friends with people. I want to be there for people. And I think 
um, one of the things is like, especially if like I go out and I like dance and I'm shirtless or I'm in a jock strap, like they're like, oh, like, yeah, like he wants, he wants to have sex. He wants to fuck, like all that stuff. And I'm like, no, like I just, I just want to have a good time. And, you know, I'm free with my body. I'm free with myself. It took me a long time to get to this place. Um, but now that I'm here, it's like, that's not the only thing that's on my mind. I want a genuine connection. I want to be there to support people. And so it goes back to, I had posted kind of a video the other day about, well, it was like back at the beginning of the year about my 2023. And, um, back at the beginning of 2023, I had developed a really rare skin condition from using Nair, which is like a body hair removal cream. Yes. And it created like these like dime sized zits all over my body, like everywhere, any, anywhere you could think of. And they did a biopsy. I went to a bunch of doctors and dermatologists. They could not figure out what was going on. And during that time, I, I wasn't having sex with people because I felt disgusting. I felt gross. Right. And so people who I thought from in Columbus, like people that I thought were my friends and who were actually just kind of like using me for their sexual needs whenever they had them. Um, when I wasn't having sex, they started to completely cut me off and not want anything to do with me anymore. And I think it was a very like learnable experience for me because when, as I grew up, like I was like, oh, like if I'm friends with somebody, like we're friends, like, you know what I mean? Like I can depend on them. They can depend on me. We can talk about anything. We can do all this stuff. But it was at that moment that I began to realize like there are some people in your life who are just hookups. There are some people in your life who are genuine friends. And there are some people in your life who are just like hangout friends. You just go and hang out with them at bars and then you say goodnight and you leave. And I had a really hard time distinguishing between who people were and what they wanted from me. And it was like a good way for me to learn like, oh, like not everybody treats me the same and I need to be able to differentiate who's actually in my life because they want to know me genuinely as a friend and who just like, and who just wants to, you know, hook up. And I, and I, I don't have problems with hookups. Like that's fine. But like just being able to more clearly define like who is who is kind of like really important to me now. So. See my thing. I get it. I'm going to answer this question, but I will say to that, it's like, I don't know. Mm. at least for me like i don't do service level friendships like i just like yeah. i am like i can't because it's like i want someone like that if i need to talk to you i need to talk to you like yeah it's like that's why like my best friend is like one of the only like close people i have in my life because he's like mm -hmm. he will be there for me no matter what and like yeah i need that because it's like it's like i want to be there for people and i want people to be there for me like that thing of that you said like you never knowing what they need to do it's like i'm already like one of the reasons like why i want to move to detroit so badly is like mm -hmm. i feel very isolated now like yeah and like sort of like confined and trapped it's where like 
it's like I try not to think about it, but when I do think about it, it makes me a little bit sad because it's like mm. it's like I get to see all these people like constantly like living their lives. Like you're out there like traveling around all that, and it's like I'm sitting here interviewing people on like shows and all this stuff, and like I'm living at home, and like when I hear that in my mind, I'm like, this sounds insane. Like why you're doing all this and like everybody else is basically like living their lives and your life's like at a standstill. Mm. And it's like, that's why I said like, once I cross that threshold of being 30, I'm going to be like, I'm going to basically going to be like by Florida. It's like, I need out. Yeah. And to to that, I would say, don't ever feel like, like your life is not at a standstill. I mean, the fact that you're interviewing people, the fact that you're putting yourself out there consistently, making connections, um, your life is not as a standstill. You're, you're gearing up for the next phase. And sometimes it can feel that way, but isolation is really just your body and your mind's way of trying to figure out what you want to do next. Because if you're right. constantly out and you're constantly traveling, you're constantly like hanging out with you, like you don't have time for yourself. And you have you have so much time for yourself right now that you've already formulated where you want to go, what you want to do, who you want to work with. Yeah. I mean, again, like the fact that you're going to be taking photos with Josh and like, move, like, like these are really big steps and don't discount. Wow the effort that you've put in because you're right now you're laying the groundwork for that next phase of your life. And if you pull the plug too early and decide like, you know, Oh, I'm just going to move to like Michigan tomorrow. And you don't have like a plan of like how you're going to get there, where you're going to live, what are you going to do for work? Mm -hmm. It's going to blow up in your face. And so Right. Wait until you get that message. Wait until you get that sign that, okay, now it's time for me to go because that's going to make your experience that much more richer. Yeah. I get that. It's it's fighting it's fighting the impatient instincts in me, but you're right. I have to. So, for me, this is very simple. I have been told that I'm shady. Mm. I do not think that I'm shady. As I've pointed out in this interview, like, I have opinions. Like, yeah. Anyone who has anyone who does artsy things mm-hmm. has opinions, and if you don't have opinions or you don't have like a like different way of thinking than yeah. Joe down the street, then like ye- you're not going to be a good artist, and you're not going to be able to present something sort of genuine. Yeah. So that's one of them, and then. The other one is that I've been told I'm intimidating, mm. which again, being six foot three <laughs> and like all stuff like wearing sunglasses, like, yes, I am in- intimidating, but it's like, it's because you can't be timid. Mm-hmm. You can't be timid as a performer. You have to be like, if I need to deliver a song and it needs to be in your face, I can't deliver a song back here. I need to deliver a song right there. Right. Because you have to, and it's like, and sometimes, what is it, to my um, song confession, 
that's going to be on my album that I'm releasing this year. Literally, I say in the song, when I came out, I said I was bi. You told me bury homo feelings inside. Said I need to find a woman to hitch. Don't even matter if I'm attracted to the bitch. And it's like, that's, a little, bit in- that's a little bit intense, but it's like... I love it. At the same time, it's like, yeah. Because when you're telling a gay person to hide who they are, that's what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, you may get quote unquote offended by that. And my response is, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I, I, as I said, I do not give a shit about what people say. Like, well, you you know this as an artist, you can't, you can't like. It's like you want to care, but you also know that you can't care. Yeah. Exactly. You can't get too wrapped up in it. If you focus on only one thing that somebody says, it's going to affect you for the rest of your career. Yes. Totally. It was a pleasure getting to meet you. Yes. Oh my God. I'm actually, I'm so excited for the album now. I'm like, I want to hear the songs. (laughs) Yes. I'll definitely, cause I've done some like rough demos on my like Instagram. I'll send them to you at some point like either tonight or tomorrow because okay. it's gonna be crazy anyway yeah. with that being said this is gay out the city i'm your host prince electro diamond and i hope you've enjoyed <laughs>